Jewish audio on Chabad.org. The 315th Shir of Rambam, corresponding to the learning of chapters 789 of Hilchus Sanhedrin. It's interesting that in the Koteret, the Rambam's title of these halachas, many versions are Hilchus Sanhedrin, the Ha'onshin Hamisudun Lahem, and the punishments which are given over into the hands of the Sanhedrin to carry out, because these laws do not only comprise the halachas, the regulations that are relevant insofar as implementing a court system and ensuring that there are judges and that justice is administered, but the, the Rambam also includes within this grouping of halachas the various punishments that the Bezdin would be obligated to, in an unfortunate situation, to mete out. So we have four mitzvahs today. And the, the first two are a continuation of what we started to learn yesterday. There are four forms of what we're going to call capital punishment. Four forms of execution by the court for somebody as a result of his crimes. Yesterday we learned about skila and we learned about sreifa. So today we move on to the method which is typically known in the Gemara as hereg. Hereg literally means to kill. And that should be understood as different from which means to murder, it doesn't say in the Torah, lo tarog, you shall not kill. It says, lo tirzach, you shall not murder. So a soldier who is in battle is not a murderer. He's a soldier. He's fighting a war. And the police officer who shoots somebody who's trying to commit a crime is not a murderer. He killed. He killed as a moral obligation. He had no choice. The court that puts the guilty individual to death is not committing an act of murder, although they are killing. That, that's a fact. They are killing. So this method is typically called hereg. It's also referred to as saif. Saif means sword. And that's because, as the Rambam himself says, this was the method in which most sovereigns, most magistrates or kings who had absolute power, and absolute power in the Torah is defined by the power of life and death, which is why the monarchs of today are not real kings. The queen can't kill anybody if she wants. It's not, uh, they don't have the power of life and death in the hand. So the way that the monarchy would execute people was by beheading them. And in some parts of the world, that's unfortunately still very much a common practice by people who are maybe not kings, but dictators. The Rambam says that the 226 mitzvah of the Torah is laharig esa'ivram al-mitzvah's mitzvahs to execute people who violated a specific collection of mitzvahs, the sayif with a sword. This is articulated in the Torah, in the book of Shemot, the 21st chapter, the 20th verse. The words are, Nakom yinakem. He will surely, vengeance will be exacted. The Rambam says that this mitzvah is the mitzvah of removing of, of, of decapitation. Hatazas haresh. Now, specifically, the Rambam in Mishnah Torah tells us that the person who would be decapitated would be placed in some kind of mulch, or some kind of fertilizer, something like that, up to their knees, so that they, they didn't buckle. Otherwise, you know, they, they, they would lose themselves. So the person was propped up. And then it was the witnesses themselves, the person, the people, not the judges who gave the guilty conviction, but the witnesses themselves would have to be involved in this. And that that, that person would be decapitated by virtue of a very sharp sword. Now, the, the next mitzvah is the mitzvah of chenek, of strangulation. And this mitzvah is the 227th mitzvah of the Torah, and 
very unfortunate set of circumstances. This has to be carried out, as we discussed yesterday. So then, the person has to be strangled. As the Torah says, mot yumat. Torah calls, he will surely die. That's the Torah's reference to death by strangulation. This mitzvah is actually performed by the witnesses themselves. The person is put in this mulch, so his knees don't buckle. And you have to put a, a hard rope, hard cloth, wrapped in a soft cloth. And the reason is because there's no point in making this person suffer. If it's a hard rope, it's going to hurt even before the person is strangled. If it's a soft rope, it's not going to strangle. It's not, the person is going to be uh, tortured unnecessarily until he actually dies. So therefore, we have the firmness of the hard rope, which is wrapped in the softness of, of a soft cloth, and it was the witnesses themselves that have to pull the rope in either direction until the person can no longer breathe, until he strangles and dies. And that is uh, the way we fulfill this unfortunate mitzvah of, of putting somebody to death by virtue of chenek of strangulation. You should know that the, the Rambam tells us that skila, stoning, which we learned about yesterday, is more stringent than sreifa. It's more severe than execution by burning, which as we learned yesterday, does not literally mean burning, but rather that the person's kishkas, his innards, are burned out with through hot lead that's poured down his throat. It's kind of like a modern-day electric chair, or an old-fashioned electric chair. <laughs> kind of like, like, like a... Now, the, the, the Gemara has a whole discussion, which is worse. If stoning is worse or this is worse, the Gemara demonstrates and proves this in Sanhedrin exactly how we know that Skila is the worst. Sreifa is level two. Level three is, is uh, Saif, is the decapitation. And strangulation is considered the most moderate of the, different, of the four different forms in which a person is going to be killed. What happens if somebody is a terrible criminal, a horrible person, and he's convicted on multiple counts? He's convicted on, on counts with something that is supposed to be beheaded and he's also supposed to be stoned. So the halacha is that he gets put to death with the more stringent one. Or, and this would be the case whether he does the Averis one after the other or whether he received an Aveda and he was convicted and he escaped and he did another Aveda. At any rate, you can't kill him twice. So he would always, would always opt for the more stringent one. Those are the first two mitzvahs today. We actually have, pardon me, five mitzvahs. So the next mitzvah for today... Is a, is a positive mitzvah. It's a very, very hard mitzvah to understand. I don't know if you can understand it, but here's the mitzvah. It's mitzvah number 320. And the, pardon me, 230. Mitzvah number 230. And this mitzvah is what we do to the remains of the person who was killed by the court, to the corpse. So the mitzvah is we were commanded that this person should be hung. Litlot. The person should actually be hung. Not all of them. This is only with the, generally the person who receives skila, the person who is stoned. As the Torah says, and this is found openly in the book of uh, Deuteronomy, in Dvarim, chapter 21, verse 22, the Torah says, talita oto al The person is hung on a wood. Now, this mitzvah, is a, a, once again an unfortunate moral obligation that the Bethlehem would have to carry out for a person who would violate certain kinds of mitzvahs. It's not every person who is guilty and convicted and executed gets hung. Only the most extreme form of criminal, the most extreme evil individual is treated in this way. And the person actually has to be hung for a moment, as you'll see. 
The Rambam in the 15th chapter of Hilchah Sanhedrin tells us that Mitzvah Sanitolin is after a person would be stoned, then there would be a, a, um, a wooden beam it would be implanted in the ground and this wooden beam would protrude. And what would happen is the hands of the corpse are crossed and he's hung like that with his hands crossed over. He's hung from this wood until sunset. Now, once sunset comes, once the sun sets, we have to take him down right away. Because we're going to learn soon that there's a, viol- a violation of the Torah to leave a corpse overnight. So when do we used to do this? We used to hang them right before the sun would set and take them down immediately afterwards. And if you leave that corpse hanging, then you violate the next mitzvah, which we're going to talk about in a moment. Now, the Gemara explains to us that if you read the Chumash, that basically the message is that a person is created in the image of God. So if a person is hanging, even though this person happens to be a grotesque image of God, and he's a person who violated his image, but nonetheless, the image is still the image of God. And the Rashi there quotes the metaphor, and he says that there was, there was uh, twins, twin brothers. One became the king, and one ended up becoming a lowly criminal, a murderer. And they caught the criminal, the murderer, and he was convicted, and then he was killed, and he was hung. And people going by said, oh, look, the king is hanging, because they were identical twins. So this is the way that our sages metaphorize the concept of a human being may not be hung for a matter of time. For enough, for, for, so he has to be hung, because that's what the Torah says. But we take him down immediately afterward. What does that mean in simple terminology? Person's not God. Person look like God doesn't look like a person. It means that a human being is sacred, and the human being is created in the image of God, and therefore he has to be afforded dignity. A cockroach that's killed does not need to be afforded dignity. A cow that's slaughtered does not need to be afforded dignity. You're not allowed to torture a cockroach. You're not allowed to torture a rat. You're not allowed to torture a cow. So you're allowed to kill him for a reason. The reason is to eat him. And you kill him in the most painless and quickest manner possible. And then you can eat him. But there's no dignity. No such thing as dignity for, for, for the remains. A human being is dignity. And therefore, even though this person had to be killed, is a horrible person, he did terrible things, nonetheless, he still, it's human remains. And human remains have to always have to be treated in a dignified manner, even if it's the human remains of a horrible human being, of a terrible person. So the, the, the next mitzvah is a positive mitzvah. And this is mitzvah Eshlam and Aleph in the system of the Rambam. I should point out to you, by the way, the previous mitzvahs, the mitzvahs of, of, of execution, are not, according to everybody, the Yireim argues with the Rambam. Not everybody agrees with the Rambam, that's a mitzvah. In the Rambam system, and the Sefer Achinuch, each one of those is an individual mitzvah. A person did A, B, C, and D, this kind of death. A person did E, X, whatever, next kind of death, and so on and so forth. So, <coughs> a grouping of violations, different execution, different method in which the person would be put to death, it's an individual mitzvah. This mitzvah of Talia, as I said, is only in a very, very specific and very narrow set of circumstances where this would apply. The next mitzvah applies to all who were killed, were put to death by the Beth Din, and as you'll soon see, by extension, according to most opinions, to every human being. Mitzvah de Islam and Aleph, the 231st mitzvah, is the commandment that we were given that those that the Beth Din kills have to be buried on the day that they are killed. As the Torah says, 
ki kavor tikberenu bayom ahu. They must be buried on that very day. The Sifri in Parshas Kisetze says, ki kavor tikberenu mitzvata say. That's a positive mitzvah. V'kach wadin b'sha'or meitim. The Rambam says something fascinating now. This is also the applicable halacha with any human being who dies. That the mitzvah is, you have to bury him right away. At least, this is from our perspective, from a Jewish perspective, the dignity we have to afford a fellow Jew. That means, sheyikover komeit me Yisrael. Any fellow Jew who has died, a horrible Jew, a terrible Jew, a criminal, even a Jew who the courts had to put to death. But any Jew has to be buried on the day he dies. And therefore, we call a person who has died and there's nobody to take care of this body. Do you know what the terminology that our sages use with this is? Net mitzvah. He is a dead mitzvah. A dead mitzvah? Yeah, it's a mitzvah to deal with these human remains. And that's why you're exempt from all other mitzvah to the Torah. If there's nobody else to bury this person, you have no other mitzvah. Your only mitzvah now is to make sure that this burial happens as expeditiously as possible. Lefichach, therefore, that this is the reason we call it. Hamait shemitzvah al kol echad lekavro. Whose mitzvah is it? Oh, it's, it's his brother's mitzvah. His brother's not going to bury him. That's not my problem. Well, if his brother's not going to bury him, then it becomes your mitzvah. Whoever is able to, that's whose mitzvah it becomes. And this is as the Torah says, Ki kavor for you will surely bury him, as is explained in the sixth chapter of Masechet Sanhedrin. So a few interesting points here. Number one, when you attend the funeral, and everybody is there with a shovel, and they're burying, that is the mitzvah of burial. It is actually a mitzvah to say, that Aaron says clearly here, to bury any Jew. So everybody who's involved in the burial of that Jew is doing an actual mitzvah. Mitzvahs weren't given to machines. They weren't given to tractors. They weren't given to Gentiles. The 630 mitzvahs are given to Jews. It's our mitzvah to bury this person. Now, the, the commentaries on the Rambam note a seeming contradiction. And they said so the Rambam says, that burial is a mitzvah that's rabbinically ordained. The Rambam says it's a derivative, a tributary of the mitzvah of Ahavat Yisrael, that you must love a fellow as yourself, and since you would expect yourself to be taken care of in a dignified manner, you have to afford the same dignity to another. And then they say, hey, the Rambam says right over here, in Sefer Mitzvah, that it's a positive mitzvah of the Torah, to, to bury the dead. Now some want to argue with the Rambam and say it's only a mitzvah for the person who was killed by the Bethan to be buried that day. That's what some want to say. But that is not, the, the general resolution is there, there's a number of different ways of, of resolving this, but generally speaking, the accepted notion is that the Rambam does say it is a mitzvah saseh, and the actual burial is a positive mitzvah of the Torah, and it does apply to each and every single Jew who dies, as it says, v'cheinu b'sha'ar meitim, also with other dead people, Kiloimar cover kol mate mi Israel biyom moto. Every Jew should be buried on the day that he or she dies. That's the mitzvah of the Torah. Now in Yerushalayim they take this uh, to an extreme because it says it's forbidden to allow a body to leave remain overnight in Yerushalayim. Here outside of of, of Eretz Yerushalayim, even in Eretz Yisrael, the body remains. If somebody dies in the middle of the night, so they're buried the next day ideally. In Yerushalayim they bury in the middle of the night. It's a 24-hour burial, continuously. The, ba- the body's removed immediately, and, and they're buried 2 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, doesn't matter when, and they, they get a minion together, and the burial takes place whenever the person died. And if those who are familiar, sometimes you live in Yerushalayim, they have loudspeakers going down the street announcing the funeral of so-and-so, because the person dies in the middle of the night, 
They don't leave them overnight. Outside of Eretz Yisrael, the mitzvah is on the day, which means within that period of those 24 hours. Which now, from this positive mitzvah, <coughs> we move into a negative mitzvah. The negative mitzvah is in, in the, in, in the uh, Rambam system, Mitzvah Samach Vav, the 66th negative mitzvah. And that is that we're not allowed to, ro- al- to, to leave this body that was hanging on the pole, on that beam. We're not allowed to leave him there overnight. So people won't come to blaspheme. Literally means bless God. It means to blaspheme. When they look at the human being hanging, and then ultimately that's not a demeaning of this person, it's a demeaning of God. Why? Because a human being is created in God's image. And therefore, if a human dignity is, com- com- is, is compromised, it's a godliness itself that's compromised. Only the most extreme blasphemers, the most extreme destroyers of the Jewish people would actually be hung. It means those who advance idolatry and blasphemy and so on and so forth. Which even with that person, that it says, as Hashem whom he is, advances a curse and blasphemy. So the Torah says, nonetheless, you're not allowed to leave the corpse overnight on the wood. The Sifri says, Zo mitzvata say this is a negative commandment. Now the Rambam in Mishnah in the book of Mitzvahs does not elaborate in this at all. However, in the book of Mishnah Torah, the Rambam says, pursuant to what we said earlier about the positive mitzvah of burying every Jew, the Rambam says specifically, It's not only somebody who would who is killed by the courts, but really call hamelin et meto. Anybody who leaves the dead overnight over a love below say they would violate this negative commandment of the Torah. Mitzvah 66. Ramam says, however, if the person was left overnight for their own dignity, for their own honor, so then, for example, there's no coffins. There's no coffin. They bury them in a, in a rag, in a bag. Or there's no takrichim. There's no shrouds. Everybody's buried in a burial shroud. This person can be buried without a burial shroud. So then, any overalof. Then, in that case, then he doesn't violate this mitzvah, which means that it's conceivable that a body should be left overnight, and it would not be a violation of mitzvah sixty-six. Why? Because it's done lichvodo shel mate. And here's where it gets very, very nuanced. What is called kvodo shel mate? And people take many liberties. Many liberties. Years ago, I had this huge fight with the family that a person died on, on Thursday, and they left him all the way till, till Sunday. Why? Because they had a bar mitzvah on Shabbos. So it said, the person would want the grandson's bar mitzvah. So therefore, it's his honor that he should be left in a freezer for three days because the person would want the grandchild's bar mitzvah. I have a very, very hard time accepting this heter, this leniency. And of course, I told him that I don't buy that. He said, no, no, we spoke for a conservative rabbi and he said it's 100% permissible. Said, well, do whatever you want. They, they, I said, apparently not asking me. You're telling me. He said, do you want me to officiate? Was, the person was a member of Ashosa, I'll officiate. But uh, I'm telling you, point blank, you are doing the wrong thing. You're violating the Torah's mitzvah, and you're compromising the person's dignity, and it can't be right. It can't be a good thing to be able to do something like that. So the Ramam is very specific. He says a person doesn't have a, a coffin. He doesn't have a shroud. Not, oh yeah, he would want to have the bar mitzvah go on without any disturbance. We're not going to mention anything. We're just going to have a regular bar mitzvah, make believe nothing happened. On Sunday, then we'll deal with the shiva. That doesn't sound like kvodosh mate. That sounds like kvodo of the people who are left alive. And that would then 
be a, a, a violation of this. And, he, and like I said, but it gets very sticky. What happens if a person has only one child? And the child won't make it. So there won't be a Kaddish said. So this, this is also considered to be, <coughs> at times, a valid reason. Uh, you know, uh, the, the, the third cousin's uh, best friend is not necessarily, is certainly not a valid reason. And then we get into, you know, the, the nuanced area of, of uh, the certain liberties or leniencies that may or may not ultimately be in keeping with, with the halacha. I think, I want to finish off just with the, to no, take note of the fact that according to the Rambam and many others, Sefer Chinuch says like this, not everybody agrees, but many others say that this mitzvah is, is not about somebody killed by the courts. It's a mitzvah about everybody. The Rambam is explicit, very clear, both in the book of mitzvahs and both in Mishnah Torah, that you have to bury as soon as possible. Now think about this. Where do we learn it from? From how do I know? How did the Torah broadcast this mitzvah to us? It told us that a tzaddik has to be buried, that a very righteous man and woman? No. It told us that a person who, uh, who is a very sinful person? No. A person who is killed because of their sins. In other words, a person who Torah says does not deserve to live. A person who Torah itself, the Torah which is Torah emet, the Torah which is the Torah of love, and that it's called, the Torah is called the, the, the source of all mercy. That the source of all mercy which is referred to in the Gemara, Torah is called Rachamana, the merciful one. The merciful one, Torah says, that this person may not live. I, how is that an act of mercy? So our sages explain, because this way the person's neshama can be saved. But if a person won't be punished because of their sins, then Rachmanulitzlan, the pain will be much, much greater, and the suffering will be in, 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 inexplicable, and the, the soul could be lost forever. So that's why it's actually a kindness. It's a merciful thing. But the Torah says, the Torah of mercy says that this person may not live. And this person has to be killed by the agents of Hashem, by the Torah, by the Bethlehem. And yet, the human dignity is still required. So if even somebody who's Haruge Bezdin, even somebody who Torah mandates to be killed, must be buried, Kikover Sikvirenu, Allah has kama v'kama, how much more so, we're talking about righteous people, good people, and certainly, it's self-understood that they're deserving of the full human dignity and of a proper burial as ordained in HaKadosh Baruch Torah. And that concludes the 315th Shir of Ramah.